WGCC-FM 90.7, Batavia, New York. Online at WGCC-FM.com. Find out what's new right now. It's around the campus on 90.7. Next time you're playing Scrabble, try and hit somebody with a wop bop a doolop and see how they take that one. You're listening to WGCC 90.7 Around the Campus. I'm your host, Mark Gibson, the Gib Dog. I'm joined here by my friend John. Up in our show today, we have a couple great guests. We got Nikki Larzak with the New Age Circle Club, and we're also interviewing one of our dorm RAs here, Tiago Ortega. And then our final interview will be with the host with the most, me later. Uh, next up, we have another great song by Sly and the Family Stone, a song I think we can all get behind in these times. Everyday People. Baby. 
Batavia's best music. Muddy Point 7 FM, the music. Turn your radio up.
That was Let It Rain by Eric Clapton, one of my all-time favorite songs. Beautiful guitar playing by him there. Uh, next up, we have our first of our interviews with the New Age Circle by my great friend John. did a fantastic job. It sounds fantastic. Uh, man, he really asked the pressing questions on this one. I hope you guys enjoy it. I did. of the New Age Circle, Nikki Lerzak. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, tell us a little bit about the New Age Circle. The New Age Circle is a club that has been around for about 10 years on campus. It was started by two friends who were interested in paganism and who had written a paper for their English class. And the instructor knew that I uh, was interested in that topic, and so she connected me with them to see if I was happy to advise a club they wanted to start, and that's where it started. Um, it has morphed over the years, depending on which students show up. It has always tended to lean in a particular direction, but it is open to what we describe as anyone interested in non-mainstream religions, which means anyone outside of the pale of Judeo-Christianity, so Judaism, Christianity, Islam. If you are interested in Shintoism, Buddhism, Paganism, Wicca, that's, that's my group. <laughs> so we've tended to skew Wicca and Pagan because I have a lot of students who are interested in old worship rituals. And um, they've tended over the last couple of years to skew a lot more Norse. I think that's the way the politics and the society seems to be going, but it's a good group. I really like working with the students. They're very much uh, interested in learning, which I work in the library, so learning and reading is my jam, and I love having students who want to know stuff. So would you say it's an open group of students? Very much so. When you say non-mainstream, do you mean specifically not Western mainstream, or...? As a rule, yes. So non-American mainstream. So while... Um, you know, there may be Shintoism or Hinduism are very mainstream in their societies and cultures. They're right. not here. So that's where we operate out of here. But that doesn't necessarily say no Western at all. It, just it not doesn't, mainstream. No. And they're welcome. I mean, I'm not going to boot anybody. So if I have a Christian student who shows up and just wants to learn more about how to read tarot cards and um, understand what Wicca is or isn't, that's totally cool. In fact, the vast majority of my students show up have actually no spiritual inclination whatsoever. They're just interested in knowing things. And that is what we're all about here at campus, uh, college campus specifically, is to learn more different ideas, more diverse ideas. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you say you, you are open to allowing uh, more traditional uh, believing students into your club. How many people have taken you up on that offer? <laughs> uh, to the best of my knowledge, none. Uh, <laughs> they're welcome to come, but no, I don't think that I've had any. I've had probably, I mean, let's be honest, most of the people in this neck of the woods have been raised to probably some version of Christianity. So uh, most of the students that come bring that with them, but most of them have either let it fall by the wayside or it doesn't, you know, it's not as important to them as it might have been to their parents. So while the students who show up do have that knowledge and experience, they're not usually active. When you guys meet, and I'm assuming that you met quite a bit more frequently than recently. Sadly. Like, like what, what was like the, the main theme of meeting? All right, so again, that's also uh, waxed and waned over the years to stay with my pagan metaphors. Um, we have, I've tried very hard actually to keep the club from becoming a coven 
which was the plan, I think, of the original students. They thought, great, we'll have the college coven. And I'm like, we're not going to go that route because I don't think I can get permission for us to be drawing circles in the forum and lighting candles on campus. So we weren't going to go that route. Well, thank goodness that it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> but I think what we did have was, um, because so many people are coming from a place where they don't know anyone else who's interested in Wicca or paganism, the delight in being able to discuss and share ideas. So a lot of it has been ritual. Like, how would you go about celebrating this? What do you guys do for the full moon? So it's been a lot of sharing over the years. Uh, we've talked about celebrating a lot of holidays. So we've tended to do uh, holiday events on campus. So for the big ones, for Halloween or Samhain, um, we've done something for May Day or Beltane. We've done something, my, it's one of my favorite things, which is to do a Maypole in the forum, which gets you the best looks, let me tell you. Most <laughs> people are like, what is going on over there? Uh, we've done an egg hunt for Ostara, which is the spring equinox. So we've tried to, you know, show students how these holidays that they've never celebrated before could be celebrated and incorporated into their own lives. I've had a really good core of students who've really been interested in um, uh, divination. So we've done tarot card readings, we've done scrying, we've done uh, runes. So we've had many workshops on a lot of these. Tarot is the most popular because everyone, it's like, you haven't made it until you've got your own tarot deck. Now, now I'm real. And divination, that's... Seeing the future, fortune telling. Right. So, yes. Yeah. So uh, that's why I said tarot is one of the easiest because you can buy tarot cards on Amazon and get them from anywhere. Uh, there's also oracle cards, angel cards. There's a lot of different variations on that theme. And it is, you know, it's tapping into your, your unconscious by way of metaphor. So it's... It's fun, it's easy, and it's a skill that we can practice on one another in a club setting. So we've done that. We've opened that up to the college. So I've had um, college staff who've come to get tarot readings. I've had students who sat down in the forum and in the student union and who, for a dollar a reading, were practicing their skills. So that's been very popular. So uh, lastly, I had a group of students who were really interested in ghosts at one point. That sort of consumed the club for a couple of years, was discussion of... Um, ghosts and hauntings. There was a lot of interest. There's always been a lot of interest in the Rolling Hills Asylum and doing one of their overnight lock-ins to see if you can spot a ghost. I, I've never seen a ghost, so not Not me. that you know of. Not that, not that I know of, exactly. Right. So, yeah, no, depends on the flavor and the makeup of the students. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of what else might have been like sort of a common topic or conversation. Um, usually magic is a big one throw that out there because uh, <laughs> most I can imagine like, how do we do spells um, so when it comes to magic I usually and I don't know if this is sacrilegious or not I usually liken it to uh, prayer I said okay so you tell me in Judeo-Christian circles what is the purpose of prayer my understanding of the purposes pr of prayer is that you are hoping for a certain outcome and you are expending personal energy fervently putting that energy out into the universe that's magic, in my opinion, because magic works the same way. Magic uses props. So where you might be repeating or thinking real hard or entreating, you know, oh, divinity that I respect, could you please help this situation, whatever. So in witchcraft, you usually use props to get you into a mental space where that sort of energy could be raised. So you're lighting candles to help focus your attention. You're invoking the elements and um, the spirits of the various, um, I'm trying to think of it, um, directions. So I mean, we invoke like 
the West is usually associated with water, the East is associated with air, the South is fire, the North is earth, and there's, there's sort of the fifth spiritual element. That's the five corners of the pentacle. So you draw a ritual circle, you invoke those elements, you light your candles, and then you reach sort of that mental state where you are like, okay, I'm pulling this spiritual energy into my body and I am directing it out towards an end. And maybe that end is you're hoping for a new job, you're hoping for someone to get better, you're hoping for a new car, whatever it is you're hoping for. Um, you're putting that energy out in the universe. And I, I can't see a difference between magic, com, you know, committed in a circle with candles, to kneeling by your bedside, praying to some god, hoping for the same sort of outcomes. So... I see all religions having that in common, just practicing it differently. Uh, given the recent situation, I assume that things have changed for your club, is that correct? It is. We're virtual, which is very sad. Right. So do you meet with Zoom or Facebook or...? We started off with Zoom, um, and then I had students who got into a Discord thing. So we created a Discord server for the club, and now we're using their meeting feature within discord so that's the club is open to anyone who wants to join us we have a facebook page so you can look for us there if you wanted to join our discord that's easy enough we can send a link so anyone who wants to come they can i have a lot of former students who stay on my mailing list because they just like to know we're doing things and they'll occasionally pop up for meetings back when we were in person i would have the odd former student who's like i'm gonna be on campus on tuesday i'm gonna come see you guys okay <laughs> Would you say things have uh, changed for the worse in response to the COVID pandemic? It's a lot harder to have community online. So, yes, everyone feels very isolated. And part of what made this group so strong was that ability to be in person with like-minded individuals. And now to have these students at home, you know, living with their parents or their grandparents in places where they can't be, as we like to jokingly say, out of the broom closet. That's tough on them because I like now, that. yeah, <laughs> I make it up, but yeah, they're they're forced to be quiet and kind of keep these things to themselves. So, or they live in the dorms, and I've had students over the year who, you know, while other students maybe one on one are very accepting of students with different ideas, in a group setting, it can be uncomfortable to be the one who's different. So they keep quiet in the dorms as well. Absolutely, I think the internet is a has been a great resource for so many people, but. To have a physical group that you are, you feel like you're belonging to and not a computer monitor, I think that's absolutely, it just does not compare. No. And I know back in the fall, I did have a bunch of students who were like, what if we meet outside and we stay really far away from each other? And I was like, all we need is one of us to get sick and that will be terrible. So we just have to stay away for now. But for students who this is their first year away from home and they were so excited to get involved in college life and join clubs... This is not really. <laughs> I absolutely understand that. Honestly, it, it has been rough. Even for someone like me who is normally a loner, I think I can count on one hand the number of times I've been touched by another human being in the past two months. There's a big difference between loner by choice and loner without choice. <laughs> absolutely. For a while, I was, I was content with it, but now it's just like, all right, finally I'm going to come out of my shell, meet so many new people, and then... <laughs> COVID happened. The universe says no. Nope, nope. Just a little longer. That's how I like to think of it. There you go. It's not forever. We certainly hope not. Speaking of the future, do you think it's going to get on much longer, or do you think it's going to uh, clear up and 
some at, at some point, hopefully. I think that probably it, by summer we will have rounded corners. That seems to me that like by the fall we'll be back to some semblance of normal. There might still be the odd mask wearing going on. In fact, honestly, I have no reason to think that we won't be like most um, Eastern nations. I mean, they wear masks in Japan just as a matter of course, and I could see that becoming a habit. If I'm going to Wegmans, maybe I'll just keep my mask on because... You know, honestly, I haven't had a cold <laughs> in over there a year, go. and I don't miss them. There you go. <laughs> Some silver lining there. It is. It really is. So if you had something you could say to people out there who are what society would consider different, would you have anything to say to those people who are perhaps afraid? Of course I would. Um you are not alone. There is a giant community of people out there who think and feel differently like you. And um, when you find your people and your place and your belief system, it is described as coming home. And it feels right when you find it. Um, I hug trees as a matter of course. I have hugged trees in Sequoia National Forest, and those, hug those trees give the best hugs. Nature is my home. And for many pagans and Wiccans, that's the place that fulfills us and sustains us and makes us feel like whole people and we are in communion with it. So for, for those of you out there who are not sure where you belong, keep looking. You'll find it and you'll know when you do. Is there anything else you would like to add? <laughs> Uh, uh, without sounding like a uh, commercial for the library, the library does have a really good selection of books on non-mainstream, non-Western religions. So uh, I have had students show up recently and be like, I, I love it because you can tell from the facial expression that they don't think this is a question they should be asking. And they're like, do you have books on demonology? And I'm like, of course we do. How many would you like? You know, so, and if we don't have it, we buy it. So don't think that there is any topic that the library would not be like, can we buy you a book on that? Because we will. Wonderful. <laughs> so the library is very supportive of this topic then? And yes. others, I would imagine? Oh, goodness, yes. No, well, the library's mission is to support the academic and personal pursuits and education of students. So we reflect the curriculum. So we buy books for specific assignments. If an instructor has needs on a topic, we make sure that students are supplied. And we understand that we are also a personal resource for the students who live in the dorms, for the students who commute here. We are for their personal as well as educational development. So we buy books that are supportive of the whole student. And back in the normal times, it was a super easy thing to say, well, if we don't have it, we can borrow it from another library or college. We'll borrow from across the continental United States. That has become a little more complicated with quarantines and pandemic shipping and all of that. Of so. But we'll still do our best to try to support students, so maybe we'll try to find more online resources if we can't find you something in print. But we love to take requests. Quite honestly, you'll find the library most of the time going, please tell us what we can get stuff for you on, because that's, we want to be supportive of our students. And as I've said with the club, the student body changes. So what was great and supportive for the student body 10 years ago might not be quite where they are and what they need today. So we're always trying to not quite catch up, but stay ahead and stay even. And would you have anything to say to those who perhaps think that paganism is some voodoo, witchcraft, anything like that? What would you have to say to them? Uh, well, 
over the years, when club fair was in person, I would uh, routinely have someone who stopped by who would want to discuss with me how they were concerned for me and for my moral safety. And, you know, could it be that I was wrong and that I was, you know, committing my immortal soul to some sort of terrible place? And I feel that, for the most part, they know as much as I do. So <laughs> I'm about as certain as they are. And you know what? I think that for anyone who feels that this is a terrible evil, um, I would encourage them to read. I would encourage them to look at the history. I would encourage them to talk to people who they think might be interested. Um, I know Harry Potter spawned a lot of this, that there was, oh, Harry Potter promotes witchcraft and paganism and demon worship and all those sort of terrible things. And I'm like, actually, as, as a former Wiccan pagan atheist, right now I can tell you that Harry Potter does a terrible job of promoting witchcraft because there's none of it in those books. If you read the books, you'd see that there isn't. Um, I just feel that people who think that paganism and witchcraft are, are terrible ways to go. I'm just chiming in here to remind you that you're listening to WGCC 90.7 Batavia. And now let's get back to our interview. I haven't met someone who's actually into that religion, doesn't see the reverence that they have for life and for humans who doesn't understand that our guiding principle is harm none, so mote it be. It is a philosophy of trying to do only good in this world. And every time I see, oh, black, evil, magic, and witchcraft, I'm like, if you understood that witchcraft is you know, devoted to doing only good, there is no such thing as black, evil, witchcraft, because that's a perversion of a good and an, a wholesome belief system. So meet people, read more, don't make judgments. <laughs> now, forgive my ignorance on the subject, but I have uh, done some minor incidental reading online about the subject a little bit. And I've read that there actually aren't too many uh, incompatibilities between Christianity and paganism. Is, am I correct on that? or? <laughs> um. Well, if you get down to the core of all belief systems, they are devoted to how people should act in the here and now and what comes after. That, that, that is their core mission, is to give people something to go by. So I feel like you could take every religion and say, okay, how are you supposed to behave? Well, I mean, with Christianity, you have the golden rule, right? Doing unto others. Well, that's very similar to harm none. So uh, there are some similarities. Paganism is much more, I think of it as the religion of the farmers because it follows the agrarian cycle. It looks at the moons, it looks at the seasons. Um, Christianity bases a lot on the paganism. So Easter always makes me smile because that's a holiday whose date is determined by the full moon. There is a lot of overlap. So yes, um, they borrowed heavily from paganism because that's where their worshipers were coming from and that's how you convert. You say, look, it's just like what you're doing, only different. <laughs> and it's on the same day, even better. I mean, if you look at Christmas, which I, again, I try hard not to laugh about, um, Yule, which is the return of the sun, S-U-N, is now overlaid with Jesus, the son, S-O-N, of God. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of similarity there. So, so you, you mentioned rituals earlier, and specifically the maypole in the forum. Yes. 
Care to explain what that is to those who have not had the pleasure of witnessing such a thing? Okay, so the shortest version of that that I can give is that there are eight holidays a year. There are four major holidays, and there are four minor holidays. The four minor holidays are ones everyone actually knows. That's the solstices and the equinoxes, so first day of fall, first day of spring, all of those guys. The other are the four major holidays. They're the fire holidays, where they're the cross quarters, as they're referred to in, in paganism, and they mark uh, life events. So uh, Halloween, where we're talking about the, the turning of the year from the, the light summer, the harvest, the fulfillness of you know, life, to winter, which is lean and dark and you know, a tough struggle if you're, again, a peasant farmer in Ireland in the 1100s. So you've got those. Um, Beltane, or May Day, is the cross quarters between the first day of spring and the first day of summer. So it's the, the first of May slash April 30th. And it has to do with that, the ripening. So it's be, spring, as we all know, March 21st around here is not particularly green and, and overflowing with life. But by the time we hit June 21st and the first day of summer, we're definitely bursting out all over. And between those two, you've got that the quickening of life coming back into activity and excitement. It's getting warmer, clothing gets less. So it is um, interested, as human beings are, with um, activities that would be more likely to happen in warmer, more exciting times when life is really coming into focus. So it is a fertility holiday. And the Maypole is uh, the union of the sky to the earth. So you do have a pole that's inserted into the earth. It's wound about uh, with ribbons to sort of symbolize that connection between the two. And it's just an energy-raising holiday that is about having a really good time and feeling really good about stuff. And over the last couple of years, actually, we've had a great time down in the forum partnering with Planned Parenthood so that students know that this is a great time to have a good time and, and get your energy out, but do it safely. So you mentioned some people may be feeling alone or scared to come out or even just to explore this idea. Uh, do you have any specific examples you can uh, think about? Oh, well, I think back to one student. It's been a while now, probably usually six or seven years ago, who lived in Albion and described Albion as a town with a church on every corner. And who that is absolutely with, true. Yes, and who lived with his grandparents, who I, I don't think they went to all the churches on every street corner, but they believed very strongly. And he's like, you didn't even joke about it. He's like, there wasn't anyone I could talk to. How do you bring that up in a way where you're like, hey, I'm kind of into witchcraft, just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you don't have a safe space to discuss this, you know, and all the messages you might get from friends and family are that you will go to hell forever, you don't bring it up. You don't, you know, you don't look into it. And so you feel like you're not in the right space, but that's not safe to go there, which is pretty terrible. Um, my own experience was that I had very open-minded friends who were exploring these things with me. So it was easier to do it as a group where we could say, did you see this book? Did you read this? Did you check that out? It, it's safer to explore with friends. So that's what our group, I have... I have had semesters where I have a single club member. And so I'm like, if there's only one, that's fine. We'll keep this club going. As soon as zero people show up, then I'll know that this club is not, is not necessary anymore and everyone feels safe and it's all good. But as long as I have one student who's like, I need this club, I'm like, then this club will exist for you. So yeah, no, you need, you need community. You really do. That is very uh, noble of you, I would say. I'm not sure if that's the word I would use, but... Or self-serving, you know, take your pick. 
<laughs> I get stuff out of it. I love working with students. No, absolutely. I think uh, it feels good to do good. It does. And I love sharing knowledge. And uh, speaking of outside pressures or inside pressures even, have you ever had a member that you know of who, after attending for some time, decided maybe this really isn't for me? Oh, yes. Yes. No, there's many people for whom this does turn out to be a curiosity phase. You know, we're exploring and we're sampling. It's like a buffet. You know, sometimes you try the chicken wings and you think, mm, not really for me. I tasted. I'm good. I'm moving on now. And that's fine. I mean, I have people who they just showed up to be curious and nothing ever came of it. And that's fine, too. No, I, it's not intended to stick for everyone and it's not a lifestyle and it will change. I mean, my own journey has definitely changed. I, I started very sort of hardcore Wiccan and over the years I've become a, an atheist. I've become a, a relaxed pagan. So, I mean, I think... Religion serves needs, and the needs you have when you're uh, 17 is not necessarily the same needs you're going to have when you're 37. So it, it should grow. So this club is more to support those who are already thinking of it and not looking to convert the children, the innocence of the world, to this evil witchcraft. No, not as a rule, no. I'm about usually one of the few members with a child at this point, so most of the students who show up are just curious for their own sake. Um, but over the years, I have had a number of parents who've had small kids, so we could discuss that. Like, I had no guideposts when I was raising my son for how, how do you introduce these holidays that you've never celebrated before to a small child and give him holidays and traditions. So it was nice to have someone I could discuss that with. So I try to meet the students where they are and at the same time, again, serve my own needs. So it's always good to talk to students to, to get some reflection on what I'm thinking. So would you say it's difficult raising a child to sort of not go against the grain of society, but with some teachings and ideas that might get you called into a few PTA meetings? Yes. Um, so I have a really great story. of. So my husband and I, you know, were, when my son was little, we're trying to make changes to our vocabulary, right? Because we, we, we're so ingrained that if something shocks us, that we go, oh, my God. And so when my son was little, we had gotten him to the point where he would say, oh, my gods. And I remember my stepmother, who is a very, she's a fabulously Catholic person, and she was here for a visit, and she said, oh, my God. And my son goes, no, Nana, gods. <laughs> <laughs> and we said, honey, if Nana only wants to believe in one, that's fine. Nana can have just one. So it was a moment where I'm like, oh, okay, we have to be careful. I've had to talk to my son about please don't tell other children that we don't think there's a Santa Claus, that that's not a thing. I'm like, don't ruin someone else's Christmas, honey. <laughs> but, yeah, it is a bit of a challenge because, you know, I don't, if I look back in my childhood, I didn't have these holidays. So we kind of made it up, and you go with what feels good. I mean, most holidays have a meal, so that was an easy anchor. We'd make a special meal for each of our holidays. Um, the traditions we had when my son was really little have sort of faded off, but one that still sticks was um, is midwinter. So that's Groundhog Day, uh, first day of February, so we just had it. And we still have a tradition to this day where we send my son out with a bowl and we say, go, go, go collect snow. And we bring the snow in and it sits on our table while we have dinner and we just reflect over the fact that winter's not going to be here for forever. And by the end of the meal, most of the snow is melted. And it's just such a lovely visual reminder that time passes. I do appreciate you coming on here. Oh, well, thank you for having me. You know, it was nice, nice to be asked. 
Right. We, don't, we don't get tons of airtime as a rule. We don't, we're not out there being popular. You don't see, you know, commercials on TV about, hey, have you considered the gods lately? And have you hugged a tree? <laughs> right. I, I, that, that's why I decided to try you guys, because I, I figure it's a subject not a lot of people talk about. And I think that's really what I want to do with my semester here is give voices to people who kind of feel like they don't have one. Yeah, so religion's you, you definitely a tricky have topic. Well, right. It's the one that, you know, it's like, what, death, taxes, religion? We try to stay away from those because we're going to end up fighting about it usually. So well, I don't think we need to fight about it. We don't, no. We can but. be absolutely uh, respectful about our differences. That's tricky. It's a lot easier to say that we will be respectful than, than to practice it. I mean, I can tell you that I would love to say that I can be respectful in all situations, but culturally and societally, I have problems with some other religious beliefs. And while I can respect their decision to feel that way, it is difficult. Can you think of a specific example? I can. I have thought a long time about uh, the Sharia beliefs on the status of women and where women belong and how women should be covered or not covered. And while I can respect women who want to wear burqas or who want to wear the headscarf, I have a hard time with my perception of it and whether or not I feel they're 100% complicit or have no choice because their religion has made them think that way. And I don't have an answer for it. I just know that I have to be careful about it because as a Western American woman, I have a very strong opinion on how that makes me feel, but it's not my religion and it's not my place to pass a judgment on it. I just know that it rubs me a different way. So, yes, I can be respectful, but it kind of hurts a little. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. I, th I think that's something like a lot of people don't really understand is what respect really is. You don't have to love the other person. You don't have to agree with them. You can think they're absolutely bat. As people have said to me, over the years, absolutely, they feel that I am totally deluded, and I don't know it, but I am worshiping Satan. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yes, I can agree that they and I don't have the same opinion, but I'm in a different place. So it is, I, I can see the complete, you know, not hypocrisy, but flip side of my entire argument about women in Islam and headscarves and that whole that's exactly what I just said about people thinking certain things about me. I'm not there, so it's not my place to pass a judgment. I can only look at it with the eyes that I was given and try to be respectful and understand that their eyes see different things and they know what I don't know. I take it you've had quite a few people come up to you and try to debate about what you're doing is uh, incorrect or improper. Have you ever had a pleasant, respectful conversation with one of those people? Oh, yes. Actually, most of the people who have come up to me at club fairs who wanted to have this conversation have been very respectful, who, who, as far as I can tell, were really genuinely concerned for my immortal soul. And that was, it was sweet, is my personal take on that. It's nice of you to be concerned for me, a random stranger that you've never met before. Um, I've also had people who, who've known me personally and um, should not know better, but who, who understand who I am as a human being and who were still concerned or still weren't sure. Um, case in point, again, my, my beloved stepmother. Um, my husband and I were married on the first day of fall, and this confused her for many years because she would ask me, oh, what date is your wedding anniversary? And I would say, the first day of fall. And she'd say, well, but what day is that? And I'm like, every calendar everywhere will tell you when the first day of fall is. So just look. 
And she's like, well, but isn't it a day? I said, no, the first day of fall moves. It moves between September 23rd and September 21st. So it's never quite the same day. And she's like, why did you do that? And I said, because we were worshiping and respecting the first day of fall. And that was our first date was the first day of fall. So it didn't matter what day that was. That's when we wanted to be married. And she goes, oh, do I have to lock up the cats when you are around? And I'm like, okay, you've known me now for easily over five years. You know I have three cats and I didn't start with six. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get it and I can, I can take it in the stride in which it was presented. People are concerned for me and that's good. And they love me and they want the best for me. That is also good. And as long as they're not out to, you know, scream in my face, we can have a great conversation about whether or not I'm right or they're right. It's all good. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. Coming up is probably some big, long songs so that we have, don't have to pad out as much the other interviews we have. John, don't tell me what to do. I'll play whatever song I'd like to afterwards. Thank you very much. But I'd also like to thank Nikki Larzak for for coming in and speaking to us for Around the Campus. Next up, I have a request from one of my biggest fans. Here is Eric Johnson's Cliffs of Dover.
Looking for a new, unique way to connect with your community? Do you have an event coming up that you'd like our listeners to know about? WGCC not only plays Batavia's best music, but is also Batavia's only award-winning FM radio station. To contact WGCC and become an underwriter, find us on Facebook at 90.7 FM or by email at WGCC907FM at gmail.com. As always, keep it locked. I'm still feeling the heat from that guitar playing. I don't know about you guys. Up next, we have our second interview with one of our Dorm RAs here, Tiago Ortega. I hope you enjoy another great interview by John here. Back to around the campus. With me today is the RA of D Building at College Village, Tiago Ortega. Tiago, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. It's such a pleasure to be here. So what does RA stand for? So R stands for Resident Assistant. Great. And what is it that a Resident Assistant does? So, as the name says, we assist the residents. <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. Uh, well, we actually make sure if our residents are feeling great, if they need anything, uh, if they have enough food, if they are having any problems, if they're feeling comfortable with their roommates, if, uh, if basically if they're uh, okay, if they're alive, that's good too. And if they need anything, we are basically here to help. Right, that sounds like it covers quite a broad range of things. Is there anything in particular that you think maybe uh, students don't really know much about? Uh, well, yes. So... All the programs that we have down here at College Village, specifically, uh, we, the RAs, have to think about them, and we usually get together to think about them. Uh, and because of COVID and stuff, we had to change all of our programs, so we, all of them have to be online. So we had to come up with a little bit of creativity, extra creativity. Speaking of COVID, uh, were you an RA last year when this uh, all went down? Uh, ooh, wait, I have to think because I am lost in time. <laughs> so No problem. <laughs> um, I started being an RA last semester. So last semester uh, started in August. Yes. So And the pandemic started in May. So no. <laughs> When the pandemic started, I was not an RA, but I was already looking to be an RA. So I was kind of getting ready for that when the pandemic and COVID hit. Did the pandemic impact your decision at all? Did it make it harder or easier to become an RA? Uh, I think it didn't impact that much. Uh, I, I wanted to be an RA uh, even before the pandemic. So I think because we have to stay inside and we cannot like go outside, you know, because of all the quarantining and stuff and uh, the distance stuff, uh, I think it didn't uh, influence a lot. And I think it actually helped me because since we have to stay here, you know, I'm just going to become an RA since that's something that I wanted to be even before the pandemic. So what inspired you to become an RA? Uh, so uh, I think the connection with people, 
that inspired me a lot to become an RA. Because when you are an RA, you have to talk to people. You have to talk to your residents, you know. And even if you don't talk to them in person, uh, you message them to know if they need anything, if they are okay, if, uh, if like, they need food because they don't have food. So I think connecting with people, uh, that was, I think that was one of the biggest uh, motives that made me decide to become an RA. So you're a resident assistant, but you're also a student here, is that correct? Yes, it's correct. <laughs> Do you find it difficult to balance between RA work and uh, your student work? Uh, well, I do think it's hard for me specifically to handle online learning. I'm not an online learning person, uh, but for, uh, well, it, I don't think it's hard to balance uh, my study and my work as an RA, but I think because of the pandemic, specifically with me, it's been hard to deal with online learning and the RA job. I kind of figured out a way to work both at the same time. So now I'm all good. I'm Gucci with that. <laughs> so uh, I would say that it's not hard. I just had to find the right way to do it. And I just had to adapt myself to do it. Are there not as many students down at the dorms this year? Uh, so, yes. This year, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of students as we are used to have. Uh, so it's been kind of quiet, quiet <laughs> uh, down here. But So we usually have... A, I, well, I was not an RA before the pandemic, so I would say we... We're used to have like about 400 students uh, here. And this year, we have just around uh, 170. So it is way uh, less than we are used to. Uh, but I mean, we're still working and we're still doing our job. So yes, there's always things to do here. I didn't expect it to be that low. Yes. Would, would, would you say then that all the nice rooms are available still then? All the nice rooms, well, I would say that my room is very nice. <laughs> so, but because some of our buildings are closed, uh, I would say not all the best rooms are available at the moment. But we do have some rooms available, and they are quite good, too. Why are entire buildings out of commission uh, this semester? Uh, so we have some reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is because we have to social distance, and because some of the rooms, they are supposed to have like four or five people in it, and we can we cannot have that many people in them because of social distancing. So uh, we had to close them. And uh, because also because we don't have that many students. 
So we don't have to keep them open because we're not going to get them full of students. <laughs> no, no you, you, you weren't an RA before, but you were a student here before. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct, too. <laughs> How would you say the pandemic has impacted your life as a student here uh, living in the dorms? Oh, so uh, I am a theater student. So I was used to go every day up to the college to rehearse. Uh, we used to have rehearsals every single day. And because of the pandemic, we cannot have rehearsals in person. So I had to stay all the days, every day, 24-7, in my apartment. I mean, I could still go to the groceries because I need to eat. But <laughs> I tried to stay 24-7 in my apartment and rehearse in my apartment and do dance classes in my apartment and singing classes in my apartment. So it, it was a big impact. Uh, I did have to learn how to, uh, how to adapt myself and how to adapt my learning style to, since it's, it's quite different, you know? But at the end of the day, I could figure it out what to do and what works best for me. So would you recommend for students who are more in practical sorts of disciplines, such as theater, things that are kind of difficult to do online, would you recommend them wait out the pandemic? Or do you think they can get the same bang for their buck in spite of the restrictions? So uh, that is a good question. Uh, and I do have an answer for that. Uh, I would say that even though we are in a pandemic and we cannot have classes in person, I would still say take those classes. Uh, even though you're not gonna have like the 100% experience with it, you're still gonna have like 80%, 85, I would say even 90% of experience, which is way better than no experience at all. So even though you're not gonna have the full experience and go to classes and even perform in person, uh, it's still better than not having experience at all. In your uh, uneducated opinion, do you think perhaps the restrictions may be going too far? Or perhaps do you think they could be doing more to prevent the spread? Uh, in the college or at College Village? I'd say both. Um, so I would say that the college is doing a good work. With it, uh, we do have some, some restrictions up in the college, such as like wear a mask. Of course, that's the basic. Please wear a mask. We're in a pandemic. Wear a mask, please. <laughs> and uh, we do have to wear masks. We do, have, we do check our temperatures. Uh, we ask some questions about uh, the COVID. So, and every time you enter the college, you have to go through that process. So, and we are not allowed to have classes in the inside college. So uh, you just literally just go there to uh, maybe go to the library, which they are also uh, with less people working there. They are allowing less people in it. So I would say college is doing a great work with it. 
And I would also say that College Village is doing great work with it, honestly. They changed the arrangement of some uh, apartments, uh, so we have less people in some apartments. Uh, so some apartments that are supposed to have four people, they have two people in it. Uh, so can they social distance better? And we do have testings every single week uh, where our students are mandated to get tested. And, and they, are, they still have to wear a mask uh, in, inside their buildings in common areas. So I would say college is also doing a great work with it. So would you say you feel a lot more safe knowing that these restrictions are in place? Oh yes, definitely, uh, definitely. I would not be, I would not feel safe at all if uh, people were not wearing a mask or not getting their temperatures checked uh, right at the entrance of college, for example, or if we were not testing at all. So, what are some of the activities that the RAs have set up that? had to be done uh, remotely uh, compared to previous semesters? So uh, RAs usually have to come up with some programs for College Village to entertain our residents, of course. And uh, we had to change those programs to make them online. So we had to come up like with crazy ideas like, for example, exercising in your home, like quick exercise, you know, because like people, most of them don't exercise when they are inside their apartment. And especially in the winter, they're not gonna go out to exercise and the gym is closed. So uh, that was like a good way to, you know, find a program that we can do remotely and uh, uh, do something that it's going to help students, and it's going to keep them entertained. Uh, we also do collaborations with uh, the college so we can work together in programs. And we do offer some programs like bingos. Uh, they are online, and you can win like prizes. So we did have to adapt a lot of stuff a lot more creativity because when you have to do things in person, it's easier because you can set up, well, you do need creativity also, of course, but it's easier to set up programs and it's easier for people to attend them. So like you can set up a, a movie night or you can set up, for example, a video game night in a common area of the college, of the College Village, and but with COVID, we cannot do that. Uh, and most of the residents, they're like, oh, well, I was on Zoom like the entire day during my classes, and I'm not going to join Zoom to watch a movie, which I can do it all by myself, you know, just watch Netflix all by myself. Why do I have to log on Zoom for that? And so we, we did have to have more creativity on how to approach uh, students with programs and how uh, to make programs uh, interesting for students. Speaking of programs there at the College Village, are there any up and coming ones? Um, 
we sure have some upcoming programs. We are going to have a alphabet challenge night. Uh, uh, we do have some video game nights uh, where people like join their PlayStation or uh, ID. I don't know how video games work. Okay. <laughs> people, I don't know how video games work. Please don't judge me. But I think you drop your your PlayStation ID or something like that, and you can play together. It's something like that. It's very cool. Okay. <laughs> I had residents that said it's cool. And it's entertaining, too, because you you got to meet new people, you know? So it's 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 cool. It's cool. I I wouldn't say like it's it's the perfect program because the perfect program program would be in person. But for a, a pandemic, we are coming up with some good ideas. So when it comes to the COVID restrictions, do you think it's going to last much longer? Uh I am hoping that it's going to be done by uh, the end of the year. You know, uh, we do have vaccines coming up. And if you're eligible for a vaccination, please get your vaccine. Okay. Thank you very much. So I hope it ends by the end of the year uh, so I can spend the holidays with my family. And, but, I do think it's going to take at least this year for everyone to to get over it, honestly, because I don't think it's going to end, like, by next month. But I, I would guess we should be way better by, like, October and November. But I don't think it's going to end this year. As a resident assistant, have you had a... Uh, uh students come to you when they have problems that they need uh, addressing? Uh, yes, I had. Uh, I had residents that were locked out of their bedrooms, locked out of their apartments. Uh, I had residents uh, complaining about maintenance issues, uh, like, oh, the heater is not working, or, oh, I don't know, my light bulb is not working, you know? Uh, I had residents asking for a tour, uh, either here uh, at College Village and a tour at the college, because I had a situation uh, where one of my residents, uh, she started college last semester. So when she started college, COVID already started. So she joined cl uh, college and started doing online classes. And this semester, she registered again for all her online classes. But apparently, one of her classes were partially like a hybrid kind of. So yes, a hybrid class. So part of it, it was uh, online, and part of it was in person. And she was like, well, I've never been up at the college, so I have no idea where I have to go. I have no idea where's my classroom. <laughs> I don't even know where is the entrance because I mean, she, she have never been there because she never needed to. So 
I did a tour with her up in the college, and she figured out about her class. And so I had uh, all kinds of situations, honestly. I had parents uh, during the move-in day uh, asking, like, oh, where's this building? Because I need to drop off my my child. Like, I don't want to stay with my child anymore. I just want to drop them out, <laughs> drop them off, and that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here's your building. <laughs> and I have people asking for, asking, like, crazy for packages, you know, And they were like, well, but I already got a notice that my package is here. And I'm like, well, we do take some time to log your package. So if, you, if we didn't notice you about your package, then we probably didn't log in your package yet. So I had to deal with all kinds of situations. I also had to deal with more serious uh, situations like fire alarms. Uh, I, I once had to deal with a fight It was not like a serious fight. They were just like yelling to each other. And I was like, hey, mm -mm, stop. <laughs> I mean, I was better than that, but <laughs> I had to deal with that. Uh, I had to deal with roommate disagreements. So uh, I would say that being an RA gives you a lot of experience, you know, with all kinds of situations. But overall, would you say it's been a pleasant experience being an RA? Oh, yes, definitely. It's such a good experience to be an RA. Uh, you, you get to meet new people. You get to uh, know different kinds of people. Uh, you get to have a lot of experience, as I said. So it is honestly a good time to be an RA. I would say that uh, I am having such a good time, even during a pandemic, and... I would say that it's even better when we don't have a pandemic. So I hope I can still be an RA when everything uh, finishes and goes away and disappears <laughs> magically <laughs> somehow. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yes, there is something that I would like to add. Uh, I would like to encourage people to... Uh, even though we are still in a pandemic and we still have restrictions and we are going through online learning, I would still encourage people to uh, go to college and keep studying and keep searching for education. Uh, why is that? <laughs> uh, it's just because of the same example that I gave earlier in this interview. <laughs> Uh, it's better to have an experience that you're gonna have like 80% or even like 90% of the experience. Uh, but you're still gonna learn. <laughs> uh, so even though like you're not gonna have the 100% experience with that class, uh, like uh, a theater class, for example, that Of course, the 100%, the full experience would be in-person classes. Uh, but you would still have like a 90% of experience, which is better than not having experience at all. So I would, I would say that to encourage, I would like to 
encourage people to still go to college and still look for education. And also, I would like to ask for people to still support the arts. Uh, you know, the arts are one of the only things that we do have to entertain us during this pandemic. And it's been such a hard time for us artists in general, musicians, actors, dancers, producers, editors. So it's been a hard time for all of us artists. So I would like to uh, ask for people to encourage artists and encourage your local artists, support your local artists. And because, you know, it's a hard time for all of us. And uh, yes, please support the arts. <laughs> and that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Tiago, for coming on to the show. Coming up is some big, long songs so that we don't have to pad out so much for the time. Thank you. Turns out we didn't need the padding after all. Hi, hello, and welcome to the final interview for today's episode of Around the Campus with my good friend, Mark Gibson. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. For how long have you been a student here at GCC? Oh, uh, this is my first semester here, actually. Oh, what were you doing before then? Well, before, I was in the Marine Corps for five years. Oh, well, thank you for your service. Oh, it was a pleasure to serve my country. Oh, absolutely. I can imagine that. So, so you, you went into school right after the Marines, correct? Uh, so after I... Uh, after uh, finishing my time in the Marine Corps last January, uh, I took some time off and uh, COVID hit and uh, uh, derailed a few of my plans like many of us. Uh, so I took uh, the rest of that semester off. I found a, a job working part-time around here, and then I started for this spring semester. Right. So did COVID impact any of your plans coming out of the military? Oh, uh, yeah. So I was actually originally thinking about moving down to uh, Jacksonville, uh, Florida. Uh, I was going to move in with my friend, but uh, while I was down there visiting, working out the plans for that, uh, that's when everything actually started shutting down. So when I, by the time I got home, uh, we've gotten that first bit of the lockdown. All right. And for how long were you uh, in the Marine Corps? Uh, so I was in the Marine Corps for five years. I joined in March of 2015. That was just uh, about nine months after I graduated high school. Uh, and then I got out in January 2020, uh, so I did five years. Cool. And uh, what, what was it like in the Marines? Uh, it's it's definitely what you kind of expect on the outside, but it's a little different on the inside, too. Uh, it, it is the hard lifestyle that you, you've seen in all those movies, like uh, uh, ha uh, Heartbreak Ridge, the one with Clint Eastwood, where he's the, the gunny for the recon. It is a lot like that in some ways, but... It's also a very good like community kind of thing. I didn't really expect at first. Right. I would imagine that the uh, stereotype uh, of what you see on the TV and in movies, it's not entirely accurate. Would that be, is that accurate to say? Uh, it, it's hit or miss. I mean, I think a lot of things do get exaggerated a bit for it. But, uh, you know, like the scenes in like Full Metal Jacket and like the boot camp, those are actually kind of accurate. I mean, you don't get hit or anything like that. I want to make that clear, but it's... It's intense. You get a guy like the the drill instructor in that one. They will yell some crazy stuff at you. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Was was it disappointing when it was not quite what it was like in the movies? Uh, I wouldn't say it was disappointing. I kind of expected it to be not exactly like that. Especially a lot of those movies. They haven't had a 
uh, a recent one that kind of showed the Marine Corps experience besides maybe uh, Jarhead, which I think took place in the Gulf War. Uh, so, I mean, it was, it was a good experience, though. Right. And what was your job in the Marines? Uh, so my MOS, my uh, military occupation, occupational specialty was uh, I was a combat graphics specialist, uh, 4512, uh, which is a, basically a fancy way to say I, I ran printers and did graphic design. Uh, it all fell under the umbrella of combat camera and uh, public affairs. So that was also photography, videography, uh, social media, and uh, just the standard uh, interviewing and all that public affairs side of it, too. Right, so less uh, combat-specific going and killing terrorists, right? Uh, So it would kind of depend. So in in a deployed uh, section of it, I I would attach to, as a photographer or videographer, I would attach to an infantry unit, and I would go out with them. Uh, I didn't do that personally, but that's just generally how it would work. But in in garrison, uh, on the base, you fill a lot of different roles. I mean, just photos for promotions, ceremonies, uh, training exercises. So we do train that way. So whenever the artillery guys would go out, uh, like when I was in Okinawa, Japan, uh, we would send people to Mount Fuji and for the artillery training. So our cameramen would be right alongside of them shooting photos. Uh, sometimes they'd let us get on the guns too. Uh, it's really exciting footage to see. <laughs> it's some great stuff. You said you were in Japan. I was. I was in Okinawa, Japan. I was with the 3rd Marine Division. I was there for about a year and a half. Uh, while I was there, I was. Uh, I first started off as the reproductions and graphics chief, so I ran the print shop and all the graphic design for the whole division, uh, which is a very sizable uh, amount of Marines. And then after that, I took over uh, social media. Uh, I ran our social media page, and then I was also the platoon sergeant, so I was in charge of the administration, discipline, uh, just good order of uh, the 20 or so Marines I'd have at a time. Wonderful. So what w- what was your highest rank you achieved in the military? Uh, so I was a sergeant. I got promoted in 2019. It was about nine months before I got out. Uh, so uh, the sergeant, obviously the big one for the Marine Corps. You think of Marines, you always think of that Marine Corps sergeant. Uh, it's it's definitely a, a, a interesting rank. Uh you see him in the movies for sure in that one. Like, they're the big tough guy. You see him yelling at people. I'm not. I'm not the biggest yeller, but that's part of the job sometimes. Uh, it, it was. It's a very rewarding rank too because that's when you really take on a lot of uh, uh, responsibility and mentorship. Uh, when I was a young marine, I remember I had uh, sergeants I looked up to and mentored me. Uh, Sergeant Gafari and Sergeant Ward are the first two come to mind. Uh, by the time I was a sergeant, I was in their place. Uh, you know, you go from sitting under a great learning tree of these guys, and then you become the learning tree. And it's kind of a crazy experience, too, because all of a sudden, you know, you do this learning tree, and people are coming for you for advice about anything, like buying their first car, uh, relationships, uh, job skills, uh, career prog- progression. It's really it's, it's crazy how fast it happens, especially in a five-year period. Right. So you're coming to school now after going to, after being in the Marine Corps. What is it you're planning on doing? Uh, so I'm looking at a few different ways to take this. I'm I'm in a, I'm looking for more of a, being a, a videographer maybe in the end, uh, maybe work in broadcasting like radio. Uh, I'll see where it takes it and what I really uh, pick up on. I was really good with social media and graphic design. I'm 
don't know if I'll pursue graphic design full on. It, it's a it's a kind of a, a annoying job actually because uh, you'll be the expert on these things, but in the end, you're making something for someone else. So even though you know the technical aspects of what makes things look pretty and makes them look good, and the science behind how to you know follow a sign uh, with the way the text is and all that. In the end, if they don't like that, they're going to want their way. And it can be a little frustrating. So a lot of times you're selling a product to them that they want you to create. You know, because like, this looks better, in my opinion, the way I made it than what you want. So that can definitely be a, a difficult one to sell sometimes. So would you say you'd prefer to be your own boss sort of thing? A little bit, or at least work in a smaller team. I wouldn't want to work for like a big graphic design firm. Uh, I think... A dream job for me would be to be a, like a videographer on one of those like Alaska shows or with uh, the survival shows out in the wilderness with these guys recording all that cool footage. I mean, I just was watching one of those Alaska shows where I'm assuming the cameraman is probably on horse too because they're going through the mountains and there's like wolves running out and it's crazy. I think that'd just be a really exciting thing to do. It, it certainly does sound exciting is a word I might use to describe it. But you think perhaps, do you think the COVID emergency has impacted your college career thus far? And your, how many semesters are you? This is my first semester. Your first semester. You said that, I'm sure. Uh, I don't write things down, so. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, I initially applied at Brockport. Uh, I did get rejected from Brockport. Uh, so then it was too late for me to actually apply to GCC for the fall semester. So for those listening, apply to more than one school. Uh I, that was a big mistake I made. I didn't really think that through. But uh, I, I think I'm picking up where I should be. I think it was a good break I had not going to school to get myself ready. I mean, I said I got another, a job. Uh, and it was good to get back into the workforce in an environment that's not the military. It's I can see why a lot of people definitely have a hard time transitioning. You go from a family-oriented kind of Marine Corps unit style where you, know, you live and work with these guys 24-7. Uh, and then you go to work where it's, you know, Hi, John. Good to see you at work. And then at the end of the day, it's, bye, John. Have a good day. You know, and then you just go about your ways. Maybe you talk to him out of work. Maybe you don't. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. No, I don't. I wasn't in the Marines. Oh, well, you know what I'm saying in, like, a workplace. You know, like, you, everyone you work with, you don't, you know, keep tabs on and they say, how are you doing? Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, so I can't really imagine what it's like uh, coming into the workforce from the military, uh, Marines or otherwise. But since this is your first semester at a college, higher education, you uh, don't really have anything to compare it to, right? Uh, a little bit. So I think a lot of times, like the biggest shock I think I had when I joined the Marines is that the way you actually learn and teach is in, well, for my job in particular, I mean, if you, obviously if you're an infantryman, you're not going to be sitting in a classroom. They're not going to be showing you PowerPoints on how to uh, shoot a weapon. I mean, they probably right. do, but that's not your instruction. For me, as a graphic designer, uh, I sat. my class was about 12 Marines, and we sat there, and the first thing we covered was pencil drawing. So I sat at a desk with a ruler and all those fancy pencils, the different lead sizes, and we're drawing pictures. And it's, some of those Marines are excellent artists. I was not the best. I was good enough to pass. But then you go into working in Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop. It's just a classroom environment. You take tests. And then later on, I went for another... I trained for another job also I had was a civil reconnaissance NCO, which sounds really fancy, but basically it's uh, 
oh, you're almost like a census taker, really. I, I did it in Thailand where you'd go out in these villages and you would you would interview uh, locals. Uh, the example I did it in Cobra Gold 2017, uh, we were building schools. Uh, it was a joint effort for all these partners out there in uh, Asia. We all came together and we built uh, schools and I think we built a basketball court, if I remember correctly. I know we do that in wow. the Philippines, but uh, so we'd walk around these villages and we'd talk to uh, the locals there. I'd use an interpreter. I don't know Thai. So uh, you'd basically ask them some questions about what it's like living in this area, uh, what concerns you have about your community. And then I would talk to them like, so I noticed you have some school-aged children here. It's the weekday. Uh, do they go to school? And they would usually say, oh, well, the school's really far away or the school's not equipped to have enough students. So my, my children don't go to school. So I'd say, are you aware that the Thai military and the U.S. military and these other partner nations are building schools in your community just down the road? And they'd be like, oh, we didn't know that. We hadn't seen that. We noticed all these big trucks, but we didn't know what they were doing here. We thought, you know, they're just training or whatever they're doing. And then you'd tell them this, and they'd be like, oh, wow, that's great. Maybe I need to look at putting my kid in school. So I think it's a good little feather in my cap to know that some young children out in some of these countries are going to school now because of the efforts of all of us out there, not just the United States military, but the Thai military and all our partner nations we have. I'm sure that's absolutely appreciated. I mean, not just overseas or in here, but those kids, they have a chance now at something perhaps better than whatever it was they were destined for before. We're almost out of time. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I don't really have anything. It was it was great being on the show. I've enjoyed hosting, oh, it was great as well you. as being interviewed by my good friend John here. All right, thanks for coming on to the show, and thank you once again for your service. Oh, it was a pleasure. Now we can play that really long song. There we go. All right. We're going to play Running Down on a Dream by Tom Petty to finish it out here. This is the first song I play in any new car I get. I put the 
This is WGCC, Batavia, New York, the Music FM, and now more music. <laughs> 